This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Law enforcement officials say they have identified a suspect in yesterday's Boston Marathon bombing after reviewing surveillance footage. So far, no arrests have been made, according to the Boston Police Department. FBI officials confirmed today a second letter containing the deadly poison ricin was discovered, this time addressed to President Obama. Yesterday, a letter addressed to a senator with the same poison was discovered. It remains unclear if the poisoned letters and yesterday's bombing are related. With a background check amendment in the Senate gun control bill failing, Majority Leader Harry Reid announced his support today for a renewed ban on assault weapons. Reid says there needs to be more balance between the right to defend oneself and the right to live without the threat of gun violence. The wife of a former Texas justice of the peace has confessed to murdering two district attorneys and one of their wives. The victims were involved in prosecuting the woman's husband after he was charged for stealing computers. Illinois is on track to become the 21st state to decriminalize marijuana and make it legal for medical use, a measure in the state house passed this morning by a slim margin. In world news, China is joining in the morning over the bombing at the Boston Marathon yesterday after the third victim was identified as a Chinese graduate student who was studying finance at Boston University. Former British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher was laid to rest today with a large ceremony and procession to St. Paul's Cathedral in London. She passed away earlier this month at 87 years old. New Zealand became the 13th nation in the world to legalize same-sex marriage this week. The country's parliament approved a measure legalizing the practice Monday to cheers after a two-hour debate. That's the news to now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your guide on the side, your relationship coach, here to give you a leg up, a tool, skills, ideas to help you grow healthier, happier lives, healthier, happier relationships. Welcome to the program, everybody. Have we got a good one for you today? It's going to be a great show. This is one of my favorite topics ever. Do you guys know what the topic is? Do you even know? Uh, do you even know? Hmm? Huh? Hmm? Huh? In in fact, we do. Well, you should. Cause we've been working on it for a day. We have. <laughs> we had lots of meetings. And I have a feeling you've worked on it more than I have. Except I live it every day. I live this topic every day of my life. So what you're saying is you need it? No. Oh, you're saying no. you know you know stuff about it? Yeah. Oh. Uh-huh. There are a lot of people that need it. I don't need it. Okay, I need it. We we're talking about being a dad. Any of you guys dads? No. Merritt, are you a dad? I'm definitely not a dad. Okay, just check. But we've got them. You have fathers. We have them. So you know what they're like. Aren't dads great? (laughs) Most of the time. Don't dads do things? Like, dads do things that moms just don't do. Uh, That is absolutely accurate. Are you with me on that? I I am with you. Absolutely. Like, have you ever noticed that dads end up throwing the children up in the air more than moms do? I do. Also, Why don't don't moms do that? Also, the kids get hit by fan blades more often. Turn off the fan. Duh, dad. Mine used to take me uh, walking on the ceiling. 
Yeah. Let's go for a walk on the ceiling. See, that's dangerous. Okay, Dad. <laughs> Is that why you, um, that's why you, all the blood used to rush to your head and you get lightheaded and then your mom would get mad at your dad. Is that how it went down? I don't, I don't remember mom getting mad. She called me. She said she did. She's listening right now. Your mom always listens. Everyone's mom listens to my show, but my mom. My mom doesn't. Don't worry. Right, my mom doesn't either. Your mom's been on the show, Merritt. <laughs> she has, but I don't think she, it's a daily habit. Does your dad listen to the show? Uh, no, he's usually teaching students around now. So. <sighs> Priorities. Yeah. Whatever. My dad only listens to the show on Fridays when there's a repeat. And so, like, we aren't here doing the show. And he'll be like, hey, loved what you did on the show. And we're like, yeah. I'm actually not dad, yeah. anywhere. Do you near. notice I'm actually sitting it's next okay. to you, Dad? It's, yeah, I'm so actually. So I wasn't right even on the show today here. when we did it. It's okay. It's I get what he's doing. It's fine. That's what dads are for. See, dads are dads. We're supposed to toss our kids. We don't have to even talk to our kids if we wrestle with them. Exactly. Um, I've noticed that fathers end up hurting their children in playtime more than moms do. Because you know why? We love them. <laughs> if mothers love their children as much as we did or we do, they would play more rough with them. You with me, Merritt? Uh, I think. I don't know. It makes sense to me. Totally. So much yeah. love that it hurts him. Yeah. Hey, mom, dad rolled on me. I can't feel my hip. So much love right there. Yeah. Why are you dragging your leg, Timmy? <laughs> dad and I were out wrestling in the yard. <laughs> it's because we love them. Dads really are important. I've actually noticed that um, they're important to have around. But the dads also get a bad rap because on television and radio, huh? we always make fun of dads like they're not very important. We always make dads look stupid. Have you ever noticed that on television? Yeah, they get... Marginalized. I mean, Homer Simpson, hello. He's the epitome of fathering. Come on. American Dad, is that what that name of that show is? Because that cartoon is? Yeah, no, I don't think anyone watches that show. Well, good. Because that's <laughs> not what a father they're is. They're not missing out on much, unfortunately. Even Huxtable, uh, Mr. Huxtable, what was that called? Cosby Show. Yeah. He was the classic dad. But he was the classic dad, except the irony was she was always seemingly more smart than he was. He was like the dumb guy that wasn't, he was the tender, loving father, but. It seemed like the mom always had one up on him. But that's that's realistic. No. No. Said the dad. Said the dad, <laughs> who actually has children. Six of them, by the way. Six. Wait, how many did the Huxtables have? I don't know. Was it six? I don't know. Was it six? Originally four, and then they wrote a fifth child in later. Oh, what was her name? Normally that's- The, old, the oldest one. Normally Vanessa? that's called adoption. I know, but, no, but and, and in television, but I guess you just write. You just write in. in. That's oh, TV adoption. This is the one that was away at school that we never talked about until she came back from school. Wow. Uh, then they didn't they even adopt a granddaughter or something. They had another daughter, the cute they, they one. They had a granddaughter with the pigtails. Yeah, she was cute. Because as a parent, it's being a dad's a big deal, and it's not easy because they don't give you a manual, and then all of a sudden you have like your wife there that's critiquing how you do it. Like there's a right way to do it. <laughs> and apparently there is. And we're going to get into that today. But dads, we think you're great. And we're going to give you some tools today. We're going to have a guest a little bit later on who's going to give you some skills. He's going to teach us the skills of being an effective father, three core skills. And uh, we're going to pick his brain. He'll be coming on a little bit later today. His name is, is Keith Safran. He'll be joining us. But before we go there, just dad stories. I want to hear the news. Dad's in the news. Anybody got one? I, I do have one. Let's hear it. This is about a new dad. New dad? Like a brand he's new dad. A brand new dad. Yeah. And he's, he's struggling just a little bit, but in Dublin on oh, Monday, boy. Yeah. he and his wife were so happy they're taking their first child home from the hospital. <laughs> and the wife told the dad to 
Just put the baby in the car. Put the baby in the car. Load everything up. Get it low. You know, yeah. Two yeah. minutes. Very, yeah. Totally. Very simple instructions. We'll do it all the exactly. time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But in those two minutes, he managed to lock the baby and his keys in the car. With the brand new baby? <laughs> brand new baby. Oh, boy. You know so... what? That's going to go in the scrapbook. <laughs> you made the scrapbook, Dad. You know, that's sad. It is. He called the rescue center. Well, sure. Just a minute, you know. Can so somebody get my baby out? Okay. You know, that's a weird moment when you are leaving the hospital with a baby because you know – you know you don't even – you can't even keep your room clean. And they're handing you a baby, and now you have to keep the baby clean. It's scary. And then they, that nowadays – and I don't know if that's just in Ireland, but they have the dads go down, and then the nurse comes down with you with the baby and the mom, and then you meet them there. And then the nurse helps put the car seat in, make sure the car seat's in right – they put the baby in the car seat. So maybe in the U.S. they try to prevent dads from locking babies in cars. Now, nurse, if I save the receipt, I have a 30-day uh, return policy, right? On the baby? No. They're yours forever. And it is the weirdest thing ever. Like literally I remember leaving thinking they have no clue that we have no clue. <laughs> we are taking a baby out of the hospital and they have no clue that we're clueless. As a building that is – Trying to keep people alive yeah. and healthy. They handed us a child. They, what yeah. were they thinking? And we were very responsible. So I'm only imagining what the people are thinking that are really irresponsible. <laughs> like, woo, party. Hit it, mom. Let's speed home. I yeah, mean, no. it's crazy. Yeah, no. <laughs> but it's, it's – uh, that's sad. I feel bad for that man because he'll, A, never live it down. That, that will be told at the daughter's wedding party. They'll talk, oh, do you remember when dad locked you in the car as a brand new baby? Like, dad will always get, you know, yeah. car keys Thanks, as a kids. joke. Yeah. When she's a teenager, she'll pull that one out, too. Right. Yeah. You don't love me. Yeah. You locked me in a car. If you love me, dad, you would or, never have locked me or, in a car. Or worse, she'll lock her keys in her car, and they'll be like, like father like daughter. That's, oh, you're just like your father. <laughs> Why aren't you more responsible? Yeah, that's sad. Okay, interesting. Okay, there's a – now, that's not all dads. You know, some dads don't lock their kids in the car. Well – Bryce, you wouldn't uh, lock your kid in the car. No, I've actually never – Locked. Well, okay. I have never locked my keys in my car. What? With hold on, with one side. I did, but the window could. You didn't. You just slide it down from the outside. Man, I was locking keys <laughs> so, in my car every, once a month. Well, see, that means you'll be a perfect father. He's ready for I mean, it. I'm to the point. If you pull my wallet out here, I keep a key in my wallet. Oh, that's good to know. That's preparation, okay? okay because so I his locked car, myself out of my car his, so often. Just get his wallet. Now, the good news is this means I can get back to my child quicker. I, you know, that's you true. You would actually – you'd be a healthy father. A, you just need a child. Yeah. And uh, if you need some, I could lend you some. He's got spares. <laughs> I have six. I got two to spare. Uh, I got two that I can't get rid of because they're costing me a fortune. I've got to pay them off. Then I can start getting rid of them. Hey, do you you have another story for us, BT? I certainly do. So a dad yeah. decided to uh, teach his child. He started to teach him how to drive. Right. Okay. Which is now, by the way, I think that's something a lot of dads do, that's, and that's important. That's sort of a dad thing. Mara, who taught you how to drive? My dad did. Bing. Yeah. So he he's teaching his eleven year old uh, to drive in a parking lot. <laughs> Hold it. Yeah. Why? Okay, hold on. Gets better. Gets Are better. Are we in Idaho where they drive farm equipment? Uh, Oregon, so close. Okay, very close. They uh, have farm equipment in Oregon. They do. All right. Then in the parking lot where 
uh, they were learning to drive. The kid hit a parked car. <laughs> okay. Uh, then oh, then boy. dad tells the kid, okay, just just go back home. I'll drive the car away. Yeah. So then dad drives away. When the cops catch up to him, he they finally has a blood alcohol level of 0.14. Oh. 0.14. Okay. Yeah. So he was being responsible. He was just high five. No one got hurt, but why? Number one, yeah. why are you teaching an eleven-year-old to drive in a parking lot that is not empty? Uh, and then why is a hit and run cool on you know your first driving lesson? Right. I can see his logic though. He was trying to say, well, he was too drunk to drive drunk. home, so he son, should have his son. Can drive you drive home. home for dad? And the only flaw with that logic is he came up with that logic while yeah. he was drunk. While well, and inebriated. hey, can you also hold dad's gun? Right. I mean, I mean what he's in no he shape do? to hold it. Yeah, this is crazy. Yeah, anyway. This is a bad dad. That was poor decision-making. See, the first dad, just accident, stressed out of his head. He's now taking home a baby, super excited. This one's had a baby for 11 years now. This is a guy that's just drunk as a skunk and is going to have his 11-year-old drive him home. Until yeah. He runs but he might have been a good dad if he wasn't at... Point one four. That's true. We yeah. do not have well, data. Yeah. On he his... did have his son with him, which says a lot because there are a lot of deadbeat dads that wouldn't take their son to the bar to drink, or wherever he was. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of think of that. There are a lot of dads that go out and drink and drive without their child. Yes, but this is one that doesn't want his son to miss it. That I mean, father son time. Good. Yeah. I don't know if that's good father son time though. I actually think it doesn't count as good father son time. I don't think so either. Nice try, but that is a fail. That is a big fail. That is a dad fail. Anybody else got a news story? These are fun. I feel like such a better dad. I've never taken my kid on a DUI. Well, that's good. <laughs> I've never had a DAU or an I. Hmm. Well, I guess that's it. Let me go back to the British Isles real quick. What you got in the British Isles? Soccer match got out. Hey, by the way, what's the deal with the British Isles and bad fathering or accidental problems with dattery? Luck of the day, I guess. I just made up another word. Dattery? Dattery. Okay. Put that in the dictionary. Add that to the dictionary. Yes. British Soccer Isles. match gets out. Your team loses. Ah. And bad. what would a good European do? Or Well, apparently go to the Apparently, pub. this happens in the U.S. too. Yeah. Know, after a... Wait, they, you know, they say say the Bulls lose the uh, well. You start tearing well, up NBA place. finals. No, 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 no. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's when you win. It's yay, our team won. Let's burn the city. Yeah, we're good losers. We're horrible winners. Yeah, usually when they lose, they're just depressed and they just go yeah. home. Uh, but we sorry. won. Break everything. We won. Everybody gets a TV. <laughs> so the the, the the police to try to suppress the crowd. Right. Find being on horseback helps because that gives you the advantage of height. Smart, very smart. But you're on a horse. It's it's less threatening than riot shields and other right, things. Right, right. Well, this gentleman maybe had to kick back a little too much during the match. I don't oh, know. Boy. Yeah. Embarrasses his family by punching the horse in the nose. Wait, how did the horse feel about this? Probably not too thrilled Probably about it. Probably disappointed. Whoa. He and it got all caught on camera. Really? Made it onto the oh, news. Oh, I've got to see this. And now this poor family, oh, humiliated. the kids, have to go, oh, that was my dad. So do you think it would be appropriate punishment for the judge to say, okay, now we have to change your last name to Horse Puncher? Yes, the Horse Puncher. The Horse Punchers? Just totally just you change know it all. That's that's interesting. How would you like – by the way, did the horse just like roll over on its back, passed out? Or was the horse just unfazed? I'm going with unfazed. This, this gentleman apologizing, though, 
That was the news article. Mr. Horse Puncher. Hey, Police Horse Puncher apologizes. I just and want to, to apologize. Fair, to be fair, he's to Mr. Ed. He says at the time, the I, the uh, this guy says he wasn't drunk. He says, I just had two pints before the match and a bottle at halftime. Well, yeah, that's not drunk. I mean, it all it's all about perspective. <sighs> not in the British Isles. It's not no, drunk. I guess. That's not drunk. See, what's funny is, you, are you noticing a theme? Dads are great. Alcoholic beverages kill. Plus, plus dads <laughs> not for... great. They dump you into the bad dad category. Only. Well, and you know what? Where's PETA? Where's PETA on that one? I don't know. They're, it's not a big enough deal to them. What about the ethical treatment of animals, huh? Boom. You don't hit a horse in the kisser. You don't. You know what they could do to you? Oh, I want to see this video. Did the horse retaliate? Nah, probably not. I have a feeling the cop on top probably retaliated. Okay, you know what it's going to so. be? Oi, what you doing to my horse? He's going to wake up and spoke. he's going to roll over in bed and there will be this really ominous <laughs> music and there will be this horse head in the bed and then he'll throw the covers off and there will be the whole horse in the bed and he'll just be like, wee! <laughs> just start pounding on him. Anyway, that's my mind going crazy. This gentleman says, I'm sorry for hitting the horse. I'm sorry for the whole incident. I have embarrassed myself and my family. That is okay. fact. See, now that's sober. That is. So when you're sober... You're better like that. He he cleaned up, I guess. Well, and that, by the way, honestly, that's the best apology I've ever heard for a horse. I've never heard a better apology to a horse. That was sincere. That was seriously sincere. So he's got my vote. Dads. Aren't they great? Now, these are just all bad examples. You all have good examples of dads, though, right? You guys have fathers that care. I mean, we made it this far. Yeah, look at you. You're almost seriously normal. Well, it's all cumulative little things that kind of add up over 20 years that make or break it, you know? Dads have a special right, I found. My job is to – I can embarrass my children. That is my job. I don't want to, but it's my right and privilege as a father that if you mess with me, I will embarrass you, not even intentionally. I will pull up in front of school and let you out and honk when you go in and honk honk and honk and I have the right because I'm your father isn't that great you guys excited for that I am I that's that's gonna be my favorite thing messing with kids it's really fun my daughter when she brought her fiance over when they were just first dating I would always sit down and just talk to him and just fill him in on stuff (laughs) That, she, that he didn't know about on, on what he'd met the story yeah. so far oh yeah yeah she I think hated it um, it's only you know it's you're doing it right yeah. if she hated it she actually used those words I hate that when you do that Dad. and she didn't know she was she yeah. thought she was telling you I don't like this and I don't right. want you to do things I don't like really what she was fuel for the fire she was throwing yeah. lighter fluid yeah. on the fire that was your fun how else is he gonna know that she's lactose intolerant if I don't tell him Oh, it's something you got to know. He'll find it. He'll find that out. On well, his yeah, own. but it's something I want him to. I don't want him feeding her full of lactose. Right. I don't want him giving her cheese. You saved and, him the embarrassment of saying, hey, want to go out for ice cream? Yeah. And, you know, because I do care you say? about her. That would be humiliating. Don't you think, Merritt, you're a female? What do you think? Well, if your dad brought that up on one of your first dates, that wouldn't be bad, would it? I'm not. Yep, I yeah, think. I don't. I don't know that I would care, but I'm not like. <laughs> well, someone's well adjusted. Like, yeah. We'll see. And you're probably not even lactose intolerant. I'm not. And the but the irony, like your dad didn't do that. He just played the trombone. He, yeah. Every night. 
you know, he might come out you. when I'm first dating somebody and like play Winnie the Pooh on the trombone. He did that when I was a kid a lot. Did he really? He Were did. you dating a lot as a kid? No. Because no. that's weird. But I, I've started to find it a little bit weird when I like, yeah. I was like eight, the awkward age. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. Dads, you're special. We love you, and we're going to give you some tools today to even be better dad and really to take advantage. The whole family can take advantage of how great you are. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to get into it. Little Bryce Tobin's going to educate us a little bit more on the art of uh, manliness blog. He's going to teach us about being a man. And uh, we're going to get into Keith Zaffram after that, learn the skills, some of the tools of being a better father. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I spy with my computer-tracked eyes how this technology will change lives for everyone. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. Touchscreens were a breakthrough in computer interactivity, but we've seen the next step, and it's seen us too. They call it gaze interaction, which is a fancy name for tracking your eyes to determine what you're looking at and letting the direction and intensity of that gazing drive a computer mouse. The camera is built into the computer display, or in an attachment you add to the screen. Using algorithms that track the very fleeting movements of your eyes and timing how long you look, as well as how wide your eyes get, the gaze tracker does a credible job of going where you think you want it to go. Many users claim it's such an intuitive way to drive a computer, it feels a lot like telepathy. One company uses a modified arcade game of asteroids to promote gaze control. Everything on the screen is eye-driven and surprisingly controllable. Applications for cars are in development to let you activate controls without taking your eye off the road and to warn that you might be dozing off at the wheel. That trick alone could save 250,000 drivers a year in America. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. On The Julie Hanks Show, you can get advice on relationships, life balance, emotional health, and a whole lot more. And the best part is you get to help pick the topics. You can talk to Julie during the show by calling 855-CHAT-BYU or email Julie anytime, julie at juliehanks.com. So send us your question and catch the show Tuesdays and Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend. Today we're talking about being a man, being a dad. You know, dads get a bad rap. We, Ladies, I'm just here to tell you, we are not as stupid as everyone portrays us. We are smart cats, and there's a lot of secrets that we have that you don't even know about. And if you knew about it, you would think, wow, these guys have got their stuff together. So I've asked our own Bryce Tobin to come on board and to give us a little uh, information about some of the man secrets that we keep, the little things that only men seem to know. I think that sandwiches are the spice of life. If you could give me any meal, any meal at all. Really? And then if you hand me two slices of bread, I will put that meal on the bread and I will enjoy it more. Cereal. Cereal, I could do it. 
Yuck. I don't, I, I would have to try pretty hard to get that to work, but I could get that to work. But you, but sandwich of all the meals, if you could have one meal, you'd say sandwich. That's just easy. I don't. You don't need plates. You don't need utensils. Yeah. Throw, throw the food on the bread. Put it in my mouth. Prime rib. Oh, that's easy. Prime rib sandwich would be great. I'd love that. I'd Think about it. Think hungry. about it. Your fingers don't get dirty. A little horseradish on that bad boy. I'd be. I'd, I'd hit my sinuses pretty hard. So <sighs> I'm starving. Okay. Anyway, so I found. Some online recipes for sandwiches. Great. Okay. This is called the grilled peanut butter bacon banana Nutella sandwich. Mm. Tell me that doesn't make you feel great inside. It's actually got the perfect combination. So it's got peanut butter, Nutella, banana. And two bananas. Two bananas and bacon. And bacon. Now, I don't see the bacon fitting in there. You know, you wouldn't think, but it's bacon. So you just That's put true. it in. Put great. it in and yeah. deal with it. It's the great additive. It's like water. You can't get enough of it. <laughs> Uh, okay, I like that. What if, dream sandwich? If you could make a dream sandwich, what would you? Prime ribs, where I'm going to start with some onion rings on it. Oh, that sounds great. What mm, kind and of bre- a little dippy au jus that you could dip the prime rib. A nice sub bread. Oh, what, what would you do yeah. for bread? Yeah, a little crispy kind of croissantish. I mean, not like a crispy hard flaky, roll. flaky. Mm, no? I don't know. I might no? go a little hard roll there, and then just soak up some au jus. And I'm starving right doesn't now. Doesn't that? Doesn't that? How sound long good? is this show? Not too long, I would say. No, yeah. for for me it's rye bread, black forest ham, Ooh. gouda. Ooh. Yeah. Bacon, of course. Sounds gouda. Turkey. I mm. just love turkey. Parmesan cheese barbecue sauce. Boy, that's a good sandwich. And lots of it. Like enough, like you have to unhinge your jaw like a yeah, snake to like get that. into that. Russian dressing. Russian dressing. What I don't even know what Put that Russian is. on that. Mm. It's a good dressing. <laughs> just make it Russian. Yeah. It's Russian. Do it. That's good. Is this all? Is this all the secrets you know? No, I know lots of secrets. Here, here. How about some man advice? Okay, tell, let's tell, go give to me that. your give me your feelings on okay. this. Okay, um, your suit deserves better than loafers. I agree. I agree absolutely. Loafers hurt my feet. I mean, you know, if no one's if no one's going to see your feet, yeah, and you have a nice suit, that's fine. But once you stand up, game over. Loafers when I wear them make me feel like I'm lazy. I agree. That's why they call which them which is loafers. weird. Loafers also not a great shoe. Uh, what, why Wonderful sandwich, though. Wonderful. Have sandwich. you had a loafer sandwich? Meat loafer. Uh, no. Yummy. But put some bread on it. I would try it. I'd try it too. I'd try it. Another one. Don't blame the refs. Right. Never. Like. Uh, yeah. It's your team. It's. It's. Blame your, your team. Blame your team. No. No. Play better. Try. Right. Blame your parents. A lot of people do that. But not in the game. Well, let's. I don't know. My generation. We need work on that, okay? Right. We will blame the refs. We will blame our team. No. Uh, another one, uh, if you have to explain a joke, probably isn't funny. Didn't work. Didn't work. That's the most obvious. If you have to explain it, didn't Abandon work. Abandon ship. Yeah. Well, I'd off. have to abandon half my jokes. Yeah, Rob. That's what we've been trying to tell you. Another, another one. They're not to, working, Robbie. Another piece of man advice that my dad gave me, if, if people laughed at your joke, shut up the rest of the night. That's right. And if people didn't laugh at your joke... Shut up the rest of the night. That's a great rule. You had a smart dad. Yeah, that was that was a very important lesson because how many times have we – you'll get into a setting and you'll say something not really thinking it'll be funny or right. maybe you're trying for it to be funny and people laugh and then adrenaline rush and confident gets up and, yeah. and then you tell more jokes and they're all bad. But here's some more advice. Instead of shutting up, just go make a sandwich. Go make a sandwich. And don't eat it but hand it to people. In fact, if your joke was bad, make everyone else sandwiches. Then you'll be the king again. You'll be on top. Uh, another one, 
don't give unsolicited lessons at the golf course or the gym. Yeah, hey, hey, you know your backswing needs to go back a little farther. Yeah, yeah don't do no that. No one likes Nobody. that guy. Mm-mm. Don't be that guy. Don't uh, don't sing during a putt. Do not do that. I tried that. That doesn't work. Don't step on the cup. Don't step on the hole when you don't. You're not supposed to step over the hole. <laughs> I mean, on top of it. Yeah, don't don't do that. Stay away. I actually I used to work on the greens. I don't know if you know this at a yeah. golf course, and it was a blind green, so where people would hit the ball, and if it landed on the green, they it took them like five minutes to get to the green. So we'd out we'd run out there as greenskeepers and step down on the ball, and it indent the ball into the green, and then we'd run back and rake the sand traps. And the people would come out, and oh, sometimes by the way, we'd also go put the ball in the hole. <laughs> Just, <laughs> and people would come out, and it's amazing they're how like, hopeful everyone is. They're like they're walking, and they're like, "No way, I can't find my ball. I'm pretty sure I hit the green." <laughs> and they'll go right to the cup, and they'll freak out. Or if they have to putt the ball that we stepped on, it doesn't putt. It, it just pops straight up. <laughs> it's so funny. Anyway, that's a little golfing help. So that's for all the dads out there. You know, that's why we're here to help. That's how this is part of being a man. That is part of being the man, and. Men, they, women don't get us. We can make sandwiches out of anything. We don't like loafers, ladies. Quit buying them. Like they don't look nice. They we don't, don't want a nice. sweater either that just uh, that just kind of hangs on our shoulders. We don't. Man, we're talking about dads, folks. How to be a better dad? When we come back, we're going to be interviewing Keith Zafram and uh, find out more about some of the principles and skills to being a nurturing father. Up next on the Matt Townsend Show, right? After this break on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Did you leave BYU without a degree? I'm thankful for the Bachelor of General Studies program because as I chose the life that I wanted to live, being a full-time mom, staying at home, and raising my children, it just gave me hope that I could still finish my goal, but at the same time I could still be fulfilling my responsibilities as a wife and a mother while still being able to take university courses. Go online to bgs.byu.edu to see if you qualify to finish at home what you started at BYU, Bachelor of General Studies. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. A suspect has been identified in the Boston Marathon bombing after investigators reviewed surveillance footage from a nearby store. So far, no arrests have been made in the case, which is the worst attack on the U.S. since the September 11th tragedy in 2001. FBI officials confirmed today a second letter containing the deadly poison ricin was discovered, this time addressed to President Obama. Yesterday, a letter addressed to a senator with the same poison was discovered. It remains unclear if the poisoned letters and yesterday's bombing are related. A Senate vote today on increasing background checks nationwide for gun sales has failed, meaning the larger gun control bill will likely never be put to a vote. An unknown member of the viewing audience shouted, quote, shame on you after the vote failed. The wife of a former Texas justice of the peace has confessed to murdering two district attorneys and one of their wives. The victims were involved in prosecuting the woman's husband after he was charged for stealing computers. Illinois is on track to become the 21st state to decriminalize marijuana and make it legal for medicinal use, a measure in the state house passed this morning by a slim margin. In world news, China is joining in the morning over the Boston Marathon bombing after the third victim was identified as a Chinese graduate student who was studying finance at Boston University. 
Former British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher was laid to rest today with a large ceremony and procession to St. Paul's Cathedral in London. She passed away earlier this month at the age of 87. New Zealand has become the 13th nation in the world to legalize same-sex marriage this week. The country's parliament approved a measure legalizing the practice Monday to cheers after a two-hour debate. That's the news now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your guide on the side. And today's topic, seriously the most important topic in my life, and I wish I was better at it. And uh, I'm seriously hoping Keith will will help me out here. We're talking about dads, creating wonderful, incredible, great dads. And uh, today's the day. So no matter where you came from, what your father was like, we've got a guest for you today that I think is going to be able to bring some serious light into this role of, of that we're playing as fathers. Dads out there, listen up. Doesn't matter where you are. Doesn't matter if you're away from family, driving truck, or whatever you're doing on the road today. We still need to be great dads. And uh, my guest today is Keith Zafrin. And Keith... Uh, is just a wonderful man, a dad, and understands the importance of this child development. And um, he has a wonderful website I'm going to highly suggest you go look at. Right now it's kind of just in the initial stages, but it's called thegreatdadsproject.org. And he has a brand new book that will be coming out very shortly in the next uh, few weeks or so. The name of the book is How to Be a Great Dad No Matter What Kind of Father You Had. And why I love it is there's no excuses, apparently. So let's welcome Keith Zaffron to the show. Keith, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you, Matt. I'm glad to be a part of it today. Thank you. It really is. I think you couldn't have picked a better topic. Oh, thank you. You know what I mean? To write a book on. Yeah, it is. How many kids do you have? I've got three boys now. They're uh, 11, 13, and turning 15 in a couple of weeks. And you can see them on his website. They're all just, I think, apparently it takes three of your kids to tackle you, Keith. (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) They're really cute. Um, Thank you. Three boys, and this thing about fathering, and I think it's mothering as well. None of us, we haven't been taught how to do this. This is something we have to kind of figure out. Yeah, it's incredible. You know, you think of all the training that you have to go through and testing that you have to go through to get a driver's license, but anyone can become a parent with no training, no understanding. Right. It's just, it's crazy. And the impact. That we have, particularly as dads, is phenomenal. It lasts lifetime. It does, and and it's um, and it, and it lasts generational, right? So it's kind of like we end up sure. handing it down, one generation to the next. And some of the research I know that's going coming out lately is, you know, dads are falling away. You know, we're we're not stepping up like we probably need to be. Yeah, well, you know, it depends culturally, but certainly that was generational. You know, a generation ago and probably a generation before that, that was even more true. But thankfully, uh, many dads are longing to be closer to their children. We have more stay-at-home dads, which was, you know, a non-existent generation ago. But hundreds and thousands of dads who have decided to stay at home and be the primary caregiver while their wife works. It's I mean, huge. That's phenomenal. Well, Millions of men desiring to be more present, more engaged, 
more supportive than their dads were with them. And it's a beautiful thing that I want to be a part of and enhance. I, I think it's, and it's noble. And, and really, oh, um, and it doesn't mean you're less manly. It doesn't mean you can't provide for the family, but you may just be choosing to take the role. I mean, for some, it's easier to for maybe a, the wife to make more money or she's maybe better educated or has a better yeah. opportunity. So it doesn't mean it's less of a, you're less of a person. It, it's it's an essential, it's the highest role you'll ever play. Yeah, it's it's not necessarily seen that way by society. And so right. many guys struggle with it. I have a good friend who has a master's degree as an educator. And, uh, but when his wife, who is a medical student, uh, when she went to do her residency and then realized that she's going to be 90 hours a week at this, they realized with their two young daughters, they're either both going to continue to work and they're going to put their children in daycare, or one of them is going to have to stay home. Right. And even though he had a master's degree in education, he chose to be the parent who would stay home because he figured he can always go back into teaching. But if his wife didn't do her residency now, she may never be able to do practice medicine. Right. Well, and you have, I mean, and that's, that's the great out probably for them financially. Let's get her the job. Let's get her going. And, and, yeah. and, and in a weird way, too, it seems like um, it's kind of where men are stereotyped as kind of being the bumbling, you know, idiots that don't quite know how to quiet a baby. So we do something inappropriate to make them stop. Yeah. Or, but the reality is, is it's nurturing and, and we we can learn this. Yeah. Dr. Kyle Pruitt is an MD in Yale Medical School. He wrote a book on father nurture, and he argues that even the best mother or nurturers cannot nurture a child the way a father can because there's something unique to the masculine way mm. that a man nurtures a child. Uh, the illustration that I love when I think about is that when my, my boys were babies, you know, we used to carry them in those like baby Bjorn or yeah. those front packs, kind of a right. backpack on your chest. Uh-huh. And what's so stereotypical, but I think, you know, somewhat true is that many women, when they carry babies in those front packs, they turn the baby so they're facing inward toward the mother's chest. Yeah. And it's, it's a beautiful picture of nurture and care the way a woman does. But when my wife would hand my baby boy to me, I would turn him around so he's facing out, sticking right. in that pack, and walk him around so he could see the world. Well, and you could play with his legs, so he's like a puppet. He's a puppet <laughs> baby. Could. See, I, I no, I totally. That, you know, that's masculine amazing. nurture is often the idea of moving our children out into the world, expanding their view, giving them greater opportunities. Whereas typically, you know, a mom wants to nurture by cuddling and caring and protecting. Right. We used to joke when my boys were little. My wife, uh, we would say that her job, uh, well, mine was to move our boys out in the world and help them take risks, and her job was to keep them from dying. Yeah, don't die. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true though and we do we we roughhouse a little bit more we yeah, and, and well and there's actually some research about the health of roughhousing and have you gotten yeah. into that yet have you studied absolutely. that absolutely i mean go yeah, well, get into that explain the benefit of cuz you know we really do we we seem to hurt them a little bit more play with them a little bit more roll on top of them wrestle with them yeah. but there is some benefit to that well, now I think, let me answer that by saying this is a good point to say what I try to do is I, I bring all the child development that I have studied down into three simple practices that dads can master hmm. to help them become great dads. And I've given them a, the letter A 
names so guys can remember them yeah. and hopefully do them. Uh, the first is affirmation. The second is acceptance. And the third is what you're getting at is affection. Okay. If guys can affirm their children, and that is speaking simple words of praise to their kids, particularly about their character, more than their performance or their achievements, if they can show acceptance, unconditional and unending acceptance, which is different, I teach dads, than approval. Oh, Even that's if huge. They disapprove of something they're doing, some choice they've made, the way they wear their hair, the music they listen to, the friends they hang out with. Even if you disapprove, you can still communicate, I accept you, and right. you will always have a place to belong with me. And, and what, then affection. What could be more important than that? Well, that's what kids so desperately need. They, and that's why so often they move away from parents in those teenage years and so identify with their own group of friends because they, they need a place to belong. Right. And if they, know, if they don't feel they belong at home, they're going to find a place where they do. And, and what, a, what, oh, go ahead. What were you saying? Well, I'm going to say that third A is affection, and that's yeah. where I teach dads. They've got to learn to speak and demonstrate so verbal and physical affection with their girls and their boys. And that's where I begin to teach guys that, you know, that it's often different. You know, there's some very similarities. But most of my friends and the books that I've read about being affectionate with girls, they'll tell me how they stroke their hair when they're little, they'll braid their hair, they'll play with them, they'll touch them appropriately and affectionately. But boys, the studies show, need more one-on-one contact with dad that is often more physical or a little uh, playfully rough. Right. Like with my oldest boy, he just walks up and punches me all the time now. Yeah. He wants to wrestle with me. My younger boys want to learn these games that I used to play when I was in high school as an athlete that are tough, you know, and they're competitive. But all of that is about touching. Yeah. My oldest boy, even when I go to bed, um, when I tuck him in at night, he'll say to me, Dad, do your special stuff. <laughs> do that thing only you can do, Dad. <laughs> I guess my special stuff is that I massage his calves. He's an athlete, and they're tight. You know, he's 15 years old. Yeah. He's growing like crazy. So I massage his calves, and then he wants me to rub his shoulders and back a little bit. And I, every night I do that, I think, oh, like how long is this going to last? Yeah. You know? yeah. But he's, he's 15, but he still wants my touch. I love it. You know, and I've had to learn how to do that in ways because he doesn't want me to hug him out in public anymore. You that's know? right. That's right. Well, I mean, then eventually you won't have a chance to do that. The the I idea know. of this affection, um, and we're going to go through each of these in depth after this break. Okay. We'll start going through them. But some of the research showed recently, too, that uh, what dads do, like when they wrestle and, and roughhouse with their kids, they, uh, they stimulate them emotionally. And these kids kind of get into a frenzy a little bit. And then what the dads usually can do is kind of quit overstimulating. And then what it allows the child to do is to emotionally reach a peak emotionally and learn to calm themselves down. So they're finding out that dads in roughhousing allow the, teach the children how to kind of manage emotion and keep them in check. And it's this up and down of emotion. It's a, and so imagine how many kids out there, if their dads aren't working with them to manage emotion, yeah. we create a generation of people that don't know how to calm themselves or don't know how to not just go off. Yeah, there's no self-soothing. And, you know, you know very well, Matt, the trick is the dad has to be able to do that. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, and the, in the rough housing, if exactly. the dad isn't in control of his own emotions, or he's too competitive, and he has to beat, particularly if it's his son, if he has to win, right? It's uh, he never is able to control his own emotions, and therefore he can't communicate yeah. what he doesn't possess. Ah, good stuff. In fact, let's come back. We're talking to Keith Zaffron. Keith is the author of a soon-to-be-released book, How to Be a Great Dad No Matter What Kind of Father You Had. He also can be found at uh, thegreatdadsproject.org. We are going to have him come back in a minute, pick his brain, and get some skills so that we can be the kind of fathers we want to be. If you know somebody that needs to be a great dad or wants to be a better dad, go grab him right now. We'll be back in two minutes right here on The Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. How small can you make a satellite? And what can you do with it once you've built it? Call home, obviously. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. NASA's space technology program stimulates creative new thinking in the application of advanced tech that's as useful in space as it is on Earth. So here's an idea. It's often claimed we flew men to the moon with computers less powerful than what's inside today's smartphones. So can a smartphone fly in space? Only one way to find out. Nanosats are really tiny satellites, a cube only four inches on a side. They're about the size of a decent cup of coffee. The PhoneSat mission built three prototypes very quickly, with a budget of only $3,500 each. They kept costs down by using off-the-shelf smartphones as the guts of the tiny orbiters. Nanosat 1 has a simple job of taking pictures and texting back messages about the onboard conditions. Nanosats 2 and 3 step up their game by adding solar panels, GPS, and electromagnetic stabilization to keep their cameras pointed straight. Popular Science awarded Nanosat the 2012 Best of What's New Award. Future fleets of nanosats might combine to study the sun or explore other worlds while phoning home their findings. I better take that. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. BYU Radio is the home of the Cougars. Rise up and become a corporate sponsor today. For more information, call 801-422-1448 or email support at byu.edu. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your guide on the side, helping you get some skills, tools, anything we can get to you to help you your life a little uh, be a little bit better and to be able to improve your conditions, improve your life, in, engage your family, and uh, create better results. So, welcome to the program. We got uh, we've been talking to a wonderful man, Keith Zaffron who is the author of a book that's about to be released, How to Be a Great Dad, No Matter What Kind of Father You Had. That uh, is the name of his book. He's been featured in the San Jose Mercury News. He's also been on the NBC Nightly News, the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Washington Post. He's made the rounds. And I think most importantly, he is a father of three uh, wonderful boys, and um, he He's done a lot of work. Interestingly, it seems like kind of the beginning of all of this, Keith, was when you worked in the prison. 
That's right. Tell me about that. That's a, I mean, it's an, if that would be an interesting training ground to learn about fathering. <laughs> yeah, and a uh, complete surprise to me. I had the, what I consider a remarkable privilege of working for six years in an organization called the Prison Entrepreneurship Program, where a good friend of mine founded this organization based on her business uh, training, education, and working as a venture capitalist uh, mm. in New York City for several years. She visited prison, and her heart was so touched by the need that she ended up bringing all this business background and designing a program in the Texas Department of Criminal Justice for guys who wanted to change their lives and who already had demonstrated entrepreneurial passion and skills, albeit illegally, yeah. but who had wanted to transform their lives. And she studied recidivism, Wonderful. that is the return to prison rate that so many of these guys go through. Uh, uh, over 60 to 70 percent of these guys end up right back in prison. And one of the main reasons, besides the fact that their inner life has not changed, is they can't find employment and they can't find a place to live hmm. because of their prison record. Right. So she reasoned that if she can teach them how to start their own businesses, she can provide for them opportunity outside when they, when they leave the prison. And give and them hope, yeah. Give them hope and in the process begin to enhance that change of character that needs to take place inside uh, in order for them to be successful entrepreneurs. So she brought me in to do some of that, what she called the soft skills teaching, more right. of that life coaching. And one of the things I did with these guys was help them heal father wounds, the, the, the things that were left in their own psyche yeah. because of very painful relationships with their own fathers. You call those father wounds, huh? I do, yeah. It's a term that many um, psychologists, authors, and even poets use to describe what happens in a child when their father, let's say, is less than adequate, mm -hmm. when right. the father is not engaged emotionally, is absent because of war, incarceration, or his own emotional difficulties. Um, children's psyches are wounded by not getting enough of their dads. Right. Isn't yeah. that? And it's huge. It's, it's, it's such a part. And interestingly, here you sit in prison with all of these men who are, a lot of them, many of them repeat offenders, and yeah. they have father wounds, which are yeah. probably just a manifestation. And so their, their, their illegal activity is a manifestation of these wounds. Well, very often it is. You know, I had the opportunity over six years to coach about 600 men. Mm. And I can unfortunately say that I can count on one hand the number of guys who told me they had good relationships with their fathers. Wow. What I heard over and over and over again were dads who are also in prison, dads who beat them, dads who abandoned them, dads who said to them, you are good for nothing, you're going to end up in prison. And their lives ended up being simply a testimony of the very things they learned to believe when they were children. Wow. It was Tragic. powerful. Yeah. Tragic and powerful, but so, and in fact, I'm going to tell you one other story because it fits the question you just asked me. I would teach these guys about the father wounds, and my friend, Miss Catherine Rohr, who founded the program, we would fly in executives from all over the country who would sit on these mock venture capitalist panels to judge the, the inmates' hmm. um, business plans. They would present 15-minute business plans at the end of this six-month program yeah. before they graduated. So they would sit these in front of five or six um, 
executives who flew in from around the country to come in as visitors and judges of these business plans who really were just encouraging these guys. But over and over, right. these executives would say, I haven't heard a business plan like this anywhere. Like, I judge business plans at Harvard or at Stanford, and they're not as good and as well-prepared as these. It was amazing. But she, the founder of the program, said to me, I want the executives to hear what you're doing with the men around father wounds. And so I taught the men with the executives there. On one side of the room, you've got these imprisoned men in jumpsuits. And on the other side of the room, you've got successful executives in business suits. Mm. And I'm teaching the men who I've bonded with over these six months. And I'm hearing weeping as I'm talking about my own very painful relationship with my dad who abandoned me and rejected me. Right. When I talk about the healing journey that I've been through in order to become you know, first a bewildered new father who had no idea what to do because right. I had no model. Right. And then eventually becoming through training and practice and lots of mistakes, you know, a very effective and deeply fulfilled dad. Hmm. As I'm telling these stories, I'm hearing weeping all over the room. And I look up and it's not just the guys in jumpsuits. It's the men and women in business suits too, who are identifying with my pain oh, and yeah. the stories. And that's when I realized these issues are universal. Right. It's what? not just guys in prison who had bad relationships with their dad. Many, many millions of us outside who've never been caught yet. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Who we haven't have fallen into we that. Have pain too. Well, and it, you sit there and you imagine the, the, the prisoners are sitting there feeling like they want to be home with their kids, trying, they would like to be better with their children. They're in prison incapable of seeing their kids. And then some of these successful businessmen who yeah. are succeeding in the world are also in prison and aren't seeing yeah. their kids. I mean, it's prison very, it is, it is. That's where you came up then with the three core skills, huh? Exactly. Yeah. It's after teaching these guys, you know, year after year and trying to boil down to what is essential. What can I train these guys to do even in prison yeah. to become great dads to their kids? What, let's get uh, into those. What, so the skills, yeah. again, you said were affirmation, acceptance, and affection. I, I'd love yeah. to go through them and have you just teach us a little bit about each one. Yeah, I'll just share a little bit. Affirmation, I talk about verbal and written affirmation. It refers to you know written words of specific praise that we can give to our children, and I said especially about their character or about their decision-making and their treatment of others, much more than their appearance or their achievement or their performance. Yeah, we don't want them to know. We don't want to just build them up on, you know, their body, their hair, their physique, or their ball playing. Yeah. We we could build them up on their character. Exactly. What does that sound like, by the way? Complimenting. Yeah. Well, so instead of complimenting my son on getting an A in math, What I want to do is I want to praise him for his discipline and his study habits. Mm -hmm. Because if he thinks that getting an A is the most important thing to me, he may figure out ways to get A's that I don't want him doing that aren't good for his life. Or he may be so stressed about the grade that ultimately doesn't matter. I can't remember what I got in geometry. Right. But if if I praise his study habits, his discipline, the fact that he's just such a good student, those are the things that he can then transfer into other subjects and then later into other areas of life. Yeah. I mean, and that's, 
th- those are like these universal principles, these things that they'll be able to carry with them forever. Yeah, the situational exactly. stuff won't always apply. You, hey, great job hitting that ball. That yeah. may not always apply, but great job, you know, being focused. Yeah, or what does it mean when he doesn't hit the ball? Right. Now I'm not pleased with him. Yeah, sorry, son. So, not, yeah. not good enough. So affirm means really to declare something to be true. So when we declare what's true about our child's character or their potential, what we do is we build their self-esteem. We build a belief in themselves, about themselves, that we have for them. Affirmation means stating our belief about what is true in and about our children. Yeah. And And it's it's about creating this reality that we envision for their future. And it's coming from one of the greatest, uh, so as a father or a mother affirms their child, you're one of the biggest influences in their lives. So when the one of the biggest Huge. influences in their life is making, is is declaring that, that, that they're great in character, yeah. they're eventually going to believe that. Yeah. They're going to so hear it. They're going to feel let it. Let me give you an illustration. My middle son, all, all my boys are athletes and they love soccer. My middle son is a goalie. Hmm. Uh, he was also a midfielder for a long time before. He, he played goalie kind of part-time. And this one particular game, it was about 98 degrees. It was so just baking. Kids were getting so tired. And our goalie went out of the game uh, before halftime because of heat exhaustion. So they took my son, Cal, put him from midfield back in goal. We were already getting killed by this team. They were so much better than we were. And they must have taken 30 shots on my son in the second half alone. Oh, wow. And they, and they scored 10 goals because so often they were just breakaways. There were yeah. two or three guys on one. And he was just playing his heart out. And I was standing behind the goal to make sure he had water and you know he was encouraged, yeah. and there was another dad standing there from the other team. Didn't know I was Cal's dad, and he just said, "My goodness!" He says, "Your goalie's incredible." He just is playing his heart out. I just thanked him. I didn't tell him I was his dad. But when the game was over, I saw Cal shake hands with the other team, shake hands with the refs, and then begin to walk across the field with his head down, and I could see tears in his eyes. Yeah. And I knew how down he was, so I ran out to the, in the middle of the field got down on my knees, hugged him, and I said, Cal, no matter what happened out there with the score, you are a winner. You have nothing to be ashamed of. I said, son, you played your heart out. You never gave up. You brought all your talent. And I told him there was another dad from the other team who said, what an incredible goalie we have. And I said, I know you're discouraged because of the score, but the score doesn't matter. Right. You are a winner, and yeah. I am so proud of you. And, you know, I, as I spoke to him, I could see his shoulders kind of roll back. Yeah. His head, his head pick up, his eyes sort of brighten. Yeah. And I knew with those words of affirmation, I was breathing life into my son. It doesn't matter what the score was. That's right. Oh, Keith. Yeah. Keith Zafrin. We're going to take a break, Keith. Uh, affirmation. So, I mean, as our dads are out there listening— Just feel the spirit of what Keith's talking about and the relationship he has with his son. Um, Each of us can can affirm and and use that beautiful example. We'll be back with Keith Zafrin from thegreatdadsproject.org. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU FM HD2 Provo. 
Listen to BYU Radio to color your world. Matt Townsend is the guide on the side, helping you better connect with people and the world around you. You could say he's a relationship guru. Matt discusses things like getting over grudges, bettering self, overcoming problems, and discussing what it is to be. Listen to the Matt Townsend Show weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern. Another great BYU radio program to color your world. On Sirius XM Channel 143, BYU Radio. Talk about good. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. President Barack Obama is promising his administration will do everything they can to reduce gun violence after the gun control measure in the Senate failed to pass today. The president is calling it a shameful day in Washington. A suspect has been identified in the Boston Marathon bombing after investigators reviewed surveillance footage from a nearby store. So far, no arrests have been made in the case, which is the worst attack on the U.S. since the September 11th tragedy in 2001. FBI officials confirmed today a second letter containing the deadly poison ricin was discovered, this time addressed to President Obama. Yesterday, a letter addressed to a senator with the same poison was discovered. It remains unclear if the poison letters and yesterday's bombing are related. The wife of a former Texas justice of the peace has confessed to murdering two district attorneys and one of their wives. The victims were involved in prosecuting the woman's husband after he was charged for stealing computers. Twelve people were injured today when a fire broke out at an Exxon oil refinery in Beaumont, Texas. The workers are thought to have been welding at the time the fire started. In world news, China is joining the morning after yesterday's bombing in Boston. Excuse me, after a third person killed in the attack was identified as a Chinese graduate student studying finance at Boston University. Former British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher was laid to rest today with a large ceremony and procession to St. Paul's Cathedral in London. She passed away earlier this month at 87 years old. New Zealand is the 13th nation in the world to legalize same-sex marriage. The country's parliament approved a measure legalizing the practice on Monday to cheers after a two-hour debate. That's the news to now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about dads and how to be a great dad. We're joined today by Keith Zafrin. He is the uh, the founder of the GreatDadsProject.org. He's also the author of an upcoming book, How to Be a Great Dad, No Matter What Kind of Father You Had. He's a coach and an expert in uh, in daddery. That's a that's a word I made up, Keith. <laughs> Don't you think it sounds good? Like dattery. It just sounds good. I don't even know. But, hey, I can make up my words. It's my show. And just being a dad is what what Keith's really about. And one of the things that I think is is so interesting is you didn't just start this in a vacuum of like, hey, I'm a dad. I've got kids. You start this in the prison teaching teaching men the importance of – of being something amazing and whether it was starting in the business world is how it kind of started, but the impact that a father can have on their son to go to prison, to get out of prison and to never get to prison um, is immense. So uh, welcome to the program, Keith. 
Thank you so much, Matt. And before, uh, in the last couple segments, you've been talking about some of the core skills. We've talked about affirmation as a core skill. Mm -hmm. You have a couple more skills we need to learn. Yeah. The second is acceptance. And really, it speaks to our unconditional and unending embrace of our children, no matter what they do, Mm. how they fail, what they choose to value or believe or pursue, or even, you know, with whom they associate. Um, that includes their choice of friends. Right. Later, it includes their boyfriends or their girlfriends, and right. later, even their marriage partners. That means accepting them even if their beliefs or their values differ from ours, or if they choose different political affiliations. Yeah. Even, what if even, they're like a even, Democrat or a Republican? Oh, my goodness. Scary! Um, what if they're mean, a libertarian? Weird. I mean, what's so funny is it's they're still your son. They're still the person yeah. you love. Still your daughter. Yeah. yeah. It, and that's what we need to communicate. And unconditional and unending acceptance. And it does mean accepting our children no matter what. Even if we disagree with or disapprove of something they do, they say, they believe, or even if they practice. Right. And that, I think, is a very tricky distinction. One, one that many dads fail to make right. uh, to our own detriment and certainly to our children's. And what's because the benefit? I mean, tell me about the benefit of yeah. that, because it seems like, you know, it's easy to judge and just say, well, you're not doing what I don't, I don't think it's proper what you're doing, so I'm just going to ignore right. you, and I'm not even going to let you bring your kids by. You see, the, the benefit is that children don't think um, abstractly until mm-hmm. their teenage years. It's very concrete. And so when we communicate with our words or our emotion, disapproval, even though we may be disapproving of some action or behavior, what they understand, what they feel, is rejection of them. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have to constantly communicate our unconditional and unending acceptance, because it communicates to our children that they belong. It helps them know, and more importantly, to feel that they are ours, that we want them, and that we will never, ever turn them away. And so I say to my kids all the time, particularly when I say goodnight to them, I tell them, I will love you no matter what. Wow. And I'll name specific things. I'll say, you know what? What I saw you do to your friends today, when I saw you guys out jumping on the trampoline and how selfish you were, how you always had to have the ball, how you always had to go first, that's not the kind of character I want to see in you. But you know what? I couldn't love you more. And That's I'm so huge. lucky to be your dad. Yeah. And I will love you forever, no matter what. Even if you never change your selfishness, it'll never change my love for you. But I do hope you grow out of that someday. What a so great, I'm I mean, constantly. That's the perfect that message, isn't it? I mean, really, that, yeah. what else do they need to hear? <laughs> then I'm accepted. Well, and, and you corrected me. And yeah. yet you came back with so much love that, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it compared to you, spoiled, rotten jerk. I've never yeah. seen a boy more obnoxious than yeah. you. I mean, uh, then they leave with and, what? I'm rejected. My yeah. dad doesn't love me. Yeah, that's yeah. huge. Well, and especially because yeah. it makes it so I'm safe enough to make mistakes, and mm-hmm. um, and I'll still be loved. So I'm not I'm not going to be able to blow it at age four permanently. And I, and I won't be able to blow it at age 15. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. 
That's huge. That's acceptance then, isn't it? Now, now help me on this because it seems like the parents – there's going to be some people out that are like, oh, so if he's doing something completely against my value system, Mm -hmm. you're telling me – I okay, so he's doing something so against my value system, I'm supposed to still accept him unconditionally. Absolutely. You find (laughs) marijuana in his room. Yeah. Or worse. Yeah. You, you can communicate the exact same thing I did about my boy on the trampoline. You know, this is not okay. There are no drugs allowed in this house, and I hope this changes. But I want to tell you, I love you as my daughter or as my son, no matter what. I will always stand with you. You'll always have a place in my home or my, my heart, whatever it is. But this has got to change. This behavior is not okay. Mm. Love it. It really is the perfect. That is the perfect correction. You yeah, ca- you come it's off strong. Got to be done in love. Well, and what's amazing is you can also be strong and you can be yeah. very direct. Like that was absolutely, absolutely unacceptable. And yeah. I'll love you forever. No matter what. No matter what. Yeah, I use those words every time I talk to my boys like that. Well, and and it's it can't just be a technique, right? I mean, one thing that you do, Keith, so well is your tone is loving. I mean, you really, you, you actually sincerely are showing love when you even just say it on the radio. And that's the key, too. They need to feel that the, the love is in the tone as well, huh? Yeah, it sure is. And that's why the, the third A is affection. Mm. And it's spoken and physical. So as I guess you're pointing out, Matt, and I appreciate you saying that, that even as I'm disciplining them, even as I'm uh, giving this correction, Telling them this is not acceptable. If my tone, if I, as earlier you said, we have to control that emotion. If I can't control my own emotion, if I'm over the top angry, then all my children hear because they feel that emotion. All they hear is rejection. Hmm. But if I have worked my own stuff, which is what the second half of my book is about, you know, if I've worked my own journey, if I've done my own healing, and I've become a more mature man as a result, then I can enter into these situations with my children and I can have some emotional control. And even when I'm disciplining, even when I'm correcting, I can still communicate and demonstrate affection, verbal and physical. I can still touch them. I can still hold them. I can still in that moment say, this is unacceptable Mm. and wrap my arms around them and say, and I love you. And that'll never change. That's huge. It's huge, absolutely huge. I mean, there are so many marriages ruined by these children that don't feel like they're not safe enough to attach because nobody accepts them. So they, yeah. so then they move on, and now they're supposed to. You know, they've never been raised in a way that they actually feel safe enough that they're going to be accepted no matter what. So when somebody absolutely. starts to pull away or to be a jerk, we keep the jerks around, and when they pull away, we feel fear, and they chase. I mean, it creates these yeah. major fighting patterns that eventually drive mm-hmm. a lot of people to prison. It's prison, a big deal. Divorce, yeah, misery. Yeah, I mean, this is your work. This Codependence, and so well, exactly. See, oh man, Keith, you tell me when you are were in prison. Tell, not like you were in prison when you were visiting prisoners <laughs> to coach them. Yeah, t- tell me the impact th- these three simple principles made on the hearts of some of these prisoners? Um, So I would teach these guys about how to give that kind of verbal affirmation or that blessing to their children. Um, 
let me tell you this one story that will answer that question. So for the graduate, each of these classes would have an actual graduation at the end for the, for the guys who made it through the program. Uh-huh. They would actually be in cap and gown. And mo- usually most classes, about 80% of these guys had never graduated from anything in their life. Right. They were so happy and so proud. And for the graduation of one of these classes, this roar asked David Harmon, who is the class valedictorian of that class, Uh to give a speech at graduation. And now this graduation, it was early on in the program, I believe it was class three. This graduation felt particularly special for us at PEP, the Prison Entrepreneurship Program, because it was the first time Texas uh, Department of Criminal Justice allowed children to attend. Oh, wow. for, the prior, for the prior two classes, they made an exception by allowing parents to come to the graduation service. But this time, they made a unique, unprecedented concession and allowed the children of the men to be present as well. So all of us, but especially the dads in the class, were bubbling with excitement <laughs> as well as some palpable apprehension. Absolutely. You know? So when David stood up, and he made his way to the platform wearing what for him and for many of these other men was the very first captain gal uh, of their lives. He stood at the microphone and he tried to compose himself. Then he looked out at the crowd. He saw his PEP brothers sitting closest to the stage. Behind them, we sat, the PEP staff, and the invited executive. And behind us sat the families. Wow. Now this proud, honored PEP graduate, he set his gaze to the back of the audience. And I sat there and I witnessed this. This is what he said. He said, my dear wife and my 13-year-old daughter are here today. I haven't seen my daughter in too many years. Now, with his voice beginning to crack a bit and tears, you know, beginning to form in, in hundreds of eyes, he continued. He said, I'd like my wife and daughter to stand up, please, so you can see them. Hmm. And they did. You know, we all clapped, and I could feel embarrassment overtake his daughter. Yeah. She appeared to want to hide somewhere. You know, <laughs> she covered her blushing face. She looked, and then he looked right at her, his daughter, and he said, Baby, I am your father. You are my daughter. I just need you to know that I love you. I affirm you. I think you're terrific, and I'm so glad you're mine. Wow. Yeah. Unbelievable. All of us are sobbing, and yeah. as was his daughter. And then David, listen to this, David smiled through his own tears, and he said, I learned that in here. <laughs> in prison. <laughs> yeah. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, that is marvelous. That is you know, amazing. And that stunning moment that is obviously frozen in my memory and my heart forever, that's when I grasped the importance of teaching fathers how to love their children. Yeah. By affectionately affirming and accepting them. You know, I realized that day that my life somehow needed to move in a direction of sharing with more men yeah. the value and power of loving our kids through these three crucial fathering skills, affirmation, acceptance, and affection. Wow, that is, and the, the, you can just, anyone out there driving is feeling the spirit of that. That is amazing. <laughs> it was incredible. Th- that's the birth of the Great Dads Project, huh? Yeah, it's the birth of the project. It's the it's what the whole first half of my book is about. Uh, the second half then is about healing those father wounds. The other work I did with these guys in prison, and that's what my coaching is about. I work one on one with dads to to coach them toward that healing experience and mastering these three 
fathering skills so they can become the dad that they perhaps wish their father had been. Yeah. Oh, I love it. speak about when I travel. So needed, Keith. So needed. They can find you at thegreatdadsproject.org, and that's a website that's kind of a holding website. It's got some information on it there, but there will be some great releases of the new website coming up in the next few weeks as well, though, right? That's right. Yeah, the, the website and the book will be available in about two weeks. And the book is called How to Be a Great Dad No Matter What Kind of Father You Had. The author, again, Keith Safran, you got you to gotta stick with Keith. He's got it. He's got what it takes to, to teach you how to be a better dad. So, Keith, thanks again for joining us. Thank you, Matt. I really appreciate it. You bet. And I so honor the work you're doing, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find a way to do more with Keith Safran. Great spirit. And dads, let's pick it up. It's ours now to change the world. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. On a chemical level, we're all left-handed. A new instrument and development might prove we live in a left-handed universe. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. So what's this about everybody being left-handed? Well, it's not about handwriting, but about organic chemistry and the search for life on other planets. You and maybe part of that hamburger you're eating are made up of proteins. The various proteins, in turn, are built from smaller substances called amino acids. There are 20 different kinds, and if you look at one on an atomic level, they have a sort of polarity called chirality. Aminos come in left-handed and right-handed chiralities. But on Earth, all living things we know of use only left-handed amino acids. And so far, samples of amino acids from comets and meteoroids also are all lefties. Stephanie Getty at NASA Goddard Space Flight Center won Innovator of the Year and a $1.2 million grant to develop a miniaturized instrument that can fly to icy moons and worlds and use liquid chromatography to see if this precursor for life exists out there, away from Earth contaminants. Was Earth life seeded with left-handed aminos from early comet impacts? When perfected, Getty's device may help answer this question and more. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Did you leave BYU without a degree? We'd had a few years where where farming had been very difficult. My wife and I had decided that, you know, we were at an end with our farming career. That decision to sell the farm was really a turning point in my life. In church, there was a poster from the Bachelor of General Studies program, and we decided to enroll. I see that it has blessed me and the life of our family. Go online to bgs.byu.edu to see if you qualify to finish at home what you started at BYU, Bachelor of General Studies. With another Disney two-for-one bundle releasing on Blu-ray, I'm Rod Gustafson. Loosely based on Victor Hugo's novel, The Hunchback of Notre Dame tells the story of a bell ringer who lives an isolated life at the top of the famous Paris Cathedral. All that changes when he meets a beautiful gypsy girl, but his courage is tested after she falls into danger. We have to find the Court of Miracles before daybreak. If Frollo gets there first, are you coming with me? I can't. I thought you were Esmeralda's friend. Frollo's my master. I can't disobey him again. She stood up for you. You've got a funny way of showing gratitude. 
Well, I'm not going to sit by and watch Frollo massacre innocent people. You do what you think is right. There are funny moments, but lust is a core plot in this film, and that's a pretty grown-up subject and may be a good enough reason for many families to wait a few years before seeing this movie. Unfortunately, the second film in the bundle, the sequel, has far less content but offers little in the way of artistry. Get the details at parentpreviews.com. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we've been talking about dads. I even made up a new word, daddery. It's not seemingly, it's not taking on. Nobody seems to like it as much as I do. But uh, dads, you are important. If you didn't get that out of the message by our last guest, Keith Zafran, you have the power, dads, to transform a lot of things on this earth. And so... We're just trying to give you some tools um, and some skills. And, you know, you you don't only have to learn from good dads, right? There's a lot of bad dads we can learn from as well. One of our producers, Ben Wagner, put together a bit about some bad dads that you'll find in the fiction and nonfiction sections of the library. Oscar Wilde once said that children begin by loving their parents As they grow older, they judge them, and sometimes they forgive them. Now, this is probably a gross generalization. There are lots of great parents out there, including my own. But despite his father being a knight and a well-renowned doctor, Oscar Wilde pretty obviously had some daddy issues. I mean, have you read Dorian Gray? And he's not the only one. Throughout the history of the world, there have been some pretty bad dads. Let's start at the beginning, taking the mythological bad dad, Zeus. I know the guy could throw thunder... But he was usually too busy chasing after nymphs or keeping the rest of the gods in check to show any attention towards his 100-plus kids or their 70-plus mothers. I mean, despite what Disney would like us to believe, Hercules didn't slay the Hydra or free Prometheus to impress a girl. He was hoping by picking up the world, Dad would maybe pay attention. Sadly, Dad was too busy turning people into tortoises or playing with his pet eagle to notice. Then there's the biblical bad dads. Noah got drunk, passed out, and when his son found him, he cursed him and his seed forever. Thanks, Dad. Isaac couldn't even tell his kids apart, and Jacob really shouldn't have played favorites. Look at the obvious psychological damage that did. And remember King Herod? Well, along with the killing of all the babies in Bethlehem, he also had three of his sons killed. Welcome to Prolicide 101. Speaking of murderous fathers, Emperor Constantine, first Christian emperor of Rome, he had six children up until his second wife made a pass at his eldest and favorite son, Crispus. Being a good and dutiful son, Crispus denied her advances and ran to tell his father what had happened. As a reward, Constantine had him executed and his existence wiped from the Roman records. Merry Christmas. Herod and Constantine aren't the only royally bad dads. The history of the English monarchy is basically one big Freudian mess. Starting with William the Conqueror, it's hard to find a monarch who didn't clash with their children, normally on the battlefield. Perhaps the best example is the infamous Henry VIII, who so desperately wanted a son, he had his daughter Elizabeth I declared illegitimate after he had her mother Anne Boleyn executed. She would later take out her frustration on the Spanish Armada. And remember Shakespeare, the greatest writer in the history of the English language? After fathering three children with his wife Anne Hathaway, Shakespeare left his family behind and ran off to the London theater scene, only returning to visit on occasion. It is a wise father that knows his own child indeed. Fictional bad dads? Almost too many to count. Vernon Dursley was such a bad surrogate father that his nephew thought it was better to run off to a haunted, elf-infested castle without electricity than stay at home. 
And how about Darth Vader? I know he really wanted to get his son in the family business, but chopping his hand off was a step too far. And don't even get me started on Jack Torrance. His son might have had visions of creepy twins, but that really wasn't justification for chasing after him with an axe. And then there's the modern bad dad in sports. How about Sean Kemp, the former NBA star who fathered a Zeusian number of children? Or remember Todd Marinovich, taken with the 24th pick in the NFL draft? The Raiders quarterback spent his entire life being groomed by his overbearing father, including a meticulous diet and exercise routine that started in his infancy. A diet and exercise routine that caused him to burn out quickly in the pros, all because his dad never let him eat Oreos. Of course, there's also the stage dads, the Joe Jacksons, the Billy Ray Cyruses, and Michael Lohans of the world, deadbeat dads capitalizing on the success of their children. So next time your dad makes you mad, he doesn't understand you, won't lend you money, just remember it could be worse. At least your dad hasn't tried to kill you, or worse, at least you're not Lindsay Lohan. Wow. A little Lindsay Lohan dig there. But really, it could be worse. Your father could be Darth Vader, and that would really mess up your life for a while. Um, Dads, I want you to know, you matter, you are relevant, and um, hey, we can't afford as a society to keep putting dads down. Uh, where many may not be stepping up to the level they need to, we need to build dads up, and that's one of the reasons we're doing this show, because really, truly, dads, you matter. And there's no way around it. There's no way out of it. We have an impact to make, and the impact should be positive. I know there's a lot of reasons why dads pull away. Sometimes it's because we don't feel like we have a clue. And sometimes it's because we don't have a clue, and sometimes it's because we seem to always get feedback that we do everything wrong. And simultaneously, that's not where we have to work. We can work right now. So as you're a father, step up. Ask yourself right now, what is the most important thing you can do today to go love your children, to go connect to your children, to understand your children? Maybe today isn't the day where we have to go make a big deal about discipline. Maybe today is the day that we could actually go follow some of Keith Zaffron's skills that he taught us earlier, where we can affirm our children, accept our children, and be affectionate with our children. There's always going to be room to discipline. And interestingly, when our relationships are better, the discipline becomes even easier. A couple of other things. A lot of times I notice when my daughter, I we were always having fun wrestling and all that, And then when she finally turned into a young woman, there's this tendency to want to just back off and stay away. And interestingly, as we back off and stay away, it's appropriate, right? We we can't maybe wrestle with her the way we used to, except we we also may not communicate as much as we used to. We also may not be touching and being and having appropriate affection with her. And what is a young woman to understand by that except that dad's kind of done dealing with her. So can I just, as somebody that has coached and worked with a lot of young women, dads, step up. Your daughters need you. Your daughters need to know they're safe with you. They need to know that they are, that they're loved by you unconditionally. And even though when they're maturing, we may need to move away a bit and create some space for them to be a mature young woman. uh, We also still can verbally affirm. We can still tickle them, have fun, and still be a great dad and not have to violate those boundaries. Girls need to know that their dads are there for them. Also, other friends can help. You don't just need uh, your father. Sometimes there's homes where fathers aren't there, right? And 
but there's neighbors and their friends. Um, when my parents divorced, my dad moved away, and I would still see him regularly. But there were people in my life. There were other men. The fathers of the my friends would show up and help, and they were there. And um, as I was growing up, there was a, a just a great leader from one of my from my church that was there, and he spent the time. And I remember it was him that put in my mind that I would be going to college. It was him that put in my mind that I would go serve a mission for my church, and it was him that was there. It was him that um, we'd go have fun and, and golf and stuff like that, and so along with my dad. So remember, if you're sitting out there and you have your your friends, your friends of your your children, if their fathers aren't involved, maybe that's your call to step up. If you start to make your the children, your friends' children more stable and more effective by being a great role model for them as well, you're only strengthening your children. Let's change the world, folks, and let's do it right now. Think of the people in your life, whether your own children, your cousins, your nephews, your nieces, the people you love that might need a little fathering. Let's agree to step up. That's the challenge, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. If you want more information about anything we do, you can check it out on at matttownsend.com, which is my website. You can also join us every Monday through Friday right here on BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. The Matt Townsend Show. We'll see you and talk to you again tomorrow. Take care.